Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Saturday morning, just looking for another beautiful opportunity to speak truth uh, of God, just with the hopes that those who really want to know the truth, that the hope is, is that they will discover these things and then when they discover them and walk in the faith of God, they will find the same faith and I life that we've found. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm not doing too bad this morning. Time change is coming, which I'm always curious if we gain an hour of anything or that kind of paradox there, but you know how we talk about the time change and stuff like that. It's just something that, that you deal with, but one of those things, no complaints, just uh, continue just to move forward and learn and with lessons that Yah gives and applying them and stuff. That's just another, another good topic that Yah gives for us to talk about. And because just looking at the title there, that faith is a quest that yeah, the, it's definitely a journey. Just like if you think about a quest for a movie, somebody sets out to conquer something and they go out and go for it. And they say, yep, they go out on a, what's referred to as like a conquest. And yep, they're gone for a day and they're back and that's it. Which a lot of these movies, they'll be gone months or years to, to do things. But yeah, the journey of faith in God definitely is a journey and there's a lot of stops along the way and a lot of information to get and apply. And we've, we may have said this before, but I've heard this in the world that people say that faith is a marathon, not a sprint. And it's true that it is a, a marathon. It's a, not that you're not going to have times where you make decisions <clears throat> and you'll be quick to listen slow to speak, slow to become angry, but just thinking about that shorter, long, just make sure that you set your mind that you're going to seek with all your heart and never waver from that. And you will find the truth of God and you will find and see that faith, the journey of faith and continuing in faith is not a, everything just comes easy and everything is just done and you don't have any struggles, but the, the message itself is not a difficult message. It's just a, the, I know this for me that the quest and the struggle and things are of my programming and the lower conscience is really more of the, 
the quest and looking to work on things like that, then <clears throat> the message itself is not a complex message, but putting it into practice and carrying it out is another thing. So yeah, just see where y'all wants us to go with this, but yeah, faith is definitely a uh, quest. It's not just a simple, everything's done in just one moment. <clears throat> So I'll just give a couple brief definitions with the words that we have on there. Quest and nobility. We may as well throw the definition that the Bible gives you on faith. That is having the belief and that which you do not have the actual physical proof of. Uh, and we must have faith first to believe God exists and to um, believe that now there's evidence, but there's no physical proof, meaning that you can't see God physically. But they've put the proof in their creation. And... By you seeing what's created, faith comes by you believing that that couldn't have come from an explosion, that it had to come from intelligent design with all the intricate details and all the different uh, plant forms that we have and animals. And uh, it had to come from an intelligent source. And even if, because there are some people that are, they talk about intelligent design. You know, maybe aliens out there somewhere or whatever. Well, I, I don't care where, if you put it to intelligent design, that's a God. They, they say intelligent design so we don't have to say creation so that we acknowledge that God exists. And so uh, faith is something that is really a choice for you to believe something or not. And many people believe a lot of things in this world that aren't even true uh, just because they've been convinced of it. And when they've been convinced of it, then they've locked it in their mind that that's the truth, even if it's a lie. And this is where that cognitive dissonance that we talk about comes in, that because they've been programmed that way, you can put the proof in front of them, just like put the proof of creation in front of an atheist and their cognitive dissonance sets in because they've tried to convince themselves that God doesn't exist. Although they, although they know God exists, they just choose to suppress it. And uh, we also have nobility, which to be noble is uh, noble is from the uh, position that we're coming from, the definition would be uh, someone with a high moral standard, okay? And we get our morals from God, Messiah being the greatest of the nobility, that he has high moral standards and again morality is another one of those pieces that 
somebody will claim to not, uh, that God doesn't exist, but yet claim some sort of morality that if you do something to them, well, that's not right. And that's not fair. And you should be in trouble. Well, why? If there's no God, there's no authority over that aspect to keep it in line. And so when we look at nobility, is somebody who is on a, on a path and journey of true righteousness. We have a quest, and in this we'll have another word. Okay, And the quest is simply a long, this is by definition in the Bible, a long, arduous journey. And arduous means difficult strenuous okay so it's a a quest is a long strenuous journey which means that there's going to be struggle along the way and this is important because people aren't taught that faith is a quest there's a lot of unfortunately bad information that gets people into a position where they don't think that they're capable of understanding the things of faith and what the Bible says and what you're supposed to do with it because they've been convinced that you have to have somebody in front of you who's going to give it to you and well, you're not able to do it, you figure it out yourself, so you have to have somebody who's been schooled in the world to teach you these things. And it's not true. When, when we talk about faith and it being difficult, like is, is it easier or hard? Well, it's both, and I'll explain. All the concepts and understandings of God are not complex. They are not out of this world where you can't understand it. They are simple. It's a a very basic, simple understanding that has been made as though it's some kind of difficult thing so that you have to have me in front of you to tell you so that for whatever reason that, you know, I don't know where that exactly started, but that's not the way it was when Messiah started the church. He didn't run around getting just all the educated people to come in. Now, in faith, there's been people who have been educated, Uh, I would presume that uh, Levi is what they call Matthew, being a tax collector, that he was pretty well schooled in math. I mean, he's not going to want to mess up the counts and cheat the Roman government when he was in that when he was in that position. So I'm sure he was schooled from that perspective. But when it comes to being schooled in the religious perspective the ones who were 
trained and raised in that religious perspective looked at Peter and John and noted that they were uh, that that they weren't educated in the law, but they had spent time with Messiah. So the simplicity of faith is there. It is simple to understand. Anybody can understand it. But in order to understand it, you have to want it. How hard is it in concept to trust? It's a simple word. To repent. To obey. Those, those are words that we understand. That, that we have a, a concept of what it is. But we have to be careful because languages are continually changing. And so we should go back to the original form of what God intended. Old Testament, the simplicity. Repent and obey. Walk in my ways. Follow my commands. Can you get any more simple than that? I mean, that's just plain and simple. Okay, well, what are the commands? Well, the Bible tells you. We have the law written down. First five books of the Bible. Within that gives you the creation, gives you the law, gives you everything you need for salvation if you believe it and if you walk according to it. So the the concepts and the things that God asks us to do are not difficult. The difficulty is you and me. The difficulty is not outward. It's inward. Because we have been programmed without us really, without us realizing we've been programmed into thinking things are something that they're not. Many people sit in churches not thinking they have the capability to understand, so somebody else has to read it, and somebody else has to give it to me, and somebody else has to uh, show me what it's about. And that's the beauty part, and this is why it doesn't matter somebody in a, a foreign country, little island somewhere. It doesn't matter because faith is actually more for the simplistic and the uneducated than it is for the educated. Now, it's for everybody. And what I mean by that is because faith, the things of God, can only be carried out when we think about them from God's understanding. And in order to understand them from God, we have to have that journey with God. And faith is a quest because it's a long, arduous journey. It's a long, difficult journey, but the difficulty is there. 
not because of God, but because of us, because of what we've let other people convince us that is true. And so you sit for and listen to a 20-minute sermon that somebody gives thinking that they know what they're talking about, but in the end, they're just putting on a show. It, they, they go to school to learn a dog and pony show. And I'm not saying that trying to be funny. I'm saying that because this is a serious thing, that you're in there trying to coddle people into some sort of faith that you think it is by telling them, well, you're okay and uh, you're forgiven. And, and it's like, no, that's, that's not the case. And too many people accept that and believe it. And we did for a while until we realized that there's something wrong here and we're going to make a change. We're going to make a difference and we're going to find out what this truth is. But in order to do that, you have to go on a quest and you have to be willing to go on that quest. And this statement made earlier is, or not earlier today, but I, uh, that if you're going to go on a quest, whatever you're going after, and this could be something worldly, in order for you to achieve a difficult task, you have to be willing to suffer and struggle and go through anything it takes for you to achieve that task. Some tasks will ask for a whole bunch of that and some tasks don't take as much of that but the objective is is that you have to really grab onto it and look and see did you have something i was up early this morning which i don't know how early you were up but i um woke up like really extra early like three o'clock in the morning <laughs> so i was just thinking ahead and i had this concept come to mind in regard to what y'all is bringing out here. And have you ever seen this where it's different than when you and I were a kid, if you wanted a, <clears throat> if you wanted a recipe when you were a kid, either your mom or your dad had it in a book, like the Betty Crocker recipe books. I don't know if you ever saw the Southern living books, like from 1980s that they would have a year long recipes and you could open the book and just read it. Now, if you pull up a recipe now, I purposely look for the ones that are just a simple recipe because if you click on, and I was looking this morning, let's say cilantro rice. I just happened, I was looking up rice and you pull it up and ads are popping up and jump to recipe and you're scrolling through. And Phil, I don't know if you've seen this, but you'll scroll down and you'll see the comments and it says great recipe, but I added or I, I took out the milk and I put in, and I look at that and I read it. I was like, why do people do that? Why don't you just leave the recipe like it is? Why do you have to change something? And it made me think of this concept is the simplicity of God in their message is so that the simple will find it. And simple doesn't mean dumb and uneducated. Simple just means you're willing to turn to God by faith and Yah you are fair and just, and I turn to you, which is repentance. And I'm committed to walking in your ways, no matter what they are, no matter how it affects me. 
I am turning to you and away from myself and away from sin. Help me and guide me. Whatever you say that I agree with, and I'm even if I don't understand it. And it made me think of, even in the Word, it says that by the simplicity of the message preached that Yah confounded the wise. That somebody that thinks that they're educated in the world, they're going to think, well, well, that's not true. That's not, that just seems really strange. But to the ones that really want it, which is the simple meaning that you're like a little child that you're willing to accept because I'm willing to step out on faith and believe God that, wow, a turn, a 360 degree turn to God. Well, that's not difficult, but what's difficult, like you said, is Oh, I didn't realize I was doing all these other things. Well, I'm going to work on changing that. Well, then that's where the struggle comes because you're in your mind. You've set your mind that you've, you're going to walk in Yah's ways, but then you've got the sin nature in your body of flesh that you're in is fighting against your mind. And that's where the struggle comes in and you have to keep going through that. And it just made me think of the recipes that, the person could put all the recipe in exact order, just like we were talking about the keys to the kingdom. That, yes, there is a key to the kingdom, which you must have mother circumcision of the heart. But all the keys that lead up and are within all the others is just like a recipe. That the keys to the kingdom are just like a recipe. You pull up a recipe for chocolate cake. How many different chocolate cakes are going to be made depending on whatever ingredients are there? But you know to have a chocolate cake, you must have chocolate, cocoa powder, chocolate syrup, something to make it chocolate. Looking at recipes, Yah has a recipe. The gospel message is a recipe. What's happened is either people don't follow the directions or, well, that just seems too hard, so I'm going to change it to where it makes it easier. If you don't follow the recipe exactly like the Word of God says, you are not going to get the fullness of faith. There are no cutting corners that you may think it looks similar or we're all the same. Yeah, yeah, we're no, we're not all the same because this cake that's made by the truth of God is not going to taste the same as this other. You can put all the icing on it. You can put all the decorations you want on it, but what does it taste like? This doesn't taste like chocolate cake. We even have in the Old Testament, when Yah was with the tabernacle, the altar of incense. Yah wanted the altar of incense to be a specific way, to have specific spices there. Don't put unauthorized things on there. Don't burn things that I don't want you to burn because it's not going to be the sweet-smelling aroma that I'm looking for with that conversational relationship which is prayer, ultimately giving us a picture of Messiah, Yeshua, that the sweet-smelling aroma of Messiah is that life of righteousness. That's what's the sweet-smelling aroma to God, that don't change this mixture to what you think it should be. Don't. This is what I'm looking for, which is ultimately the life of my son is that mixture. That's what we're looking for. So find that, and you live as he did, then your actions, the byproduct of your actions, your walk in faith will be that sweet-smelling aroma. To one is the sweet-smelling aroma of Messiah, 
and to the other is the smell of death. It's a journey, and I see this as that, yeah, the, the message isn't complicated. It's only complicated when we make it complicated and we add things, take away things, instead of let's just follow the order that Yah has it here. Let's go exactly by the recipe. Let's trust in God and quit adding things that we think it should be because it may make me feel good or not feel good. Or no, it's either you follow the recipe, you, you follow the message, or you don't. And with what we're doing, we're following the message of truth in the order that it is. And we're not going to tell people to just do this simple thing and that's all you have to do. No, it's a quest. And just like the word question, that should be the way that we ask questions with the the suffix of shun, I-O-N means that there's action involved, that the action of going on a quest that do you really want to know this answer? Or are you just asking just to get a quick fix? We actually talked about this the other night when we met about we cheat because instead of looking up something to really learn it and apply it, we'll go to Google or we'll go to the internet to get a quick answer. And we don't remember what we look up. If I look up something to really learn it, for example, changing brakes on a car, putting a bicycle together, making certain recipes that years ago that people would be able to remember those things. But now we're in such a a quick, I guess you call it like a, a click society of going on Google and things. And we want things to be easy. And the truth of God isn't meant to be watered down to be easy. It's not intended for us to be, for us to be making it harder, but we've got to be careful that we don't dumb this down for people so that you can understand it. No, we just speak the truth plainly and it's a simple message, but if people want to know it, they'll seek it with all their heart, but it's not, we're not here to, well, we're just going to make this easy for everybody. No, we, there's ease in it as you go, but there is no quick, just do this and you're done. And then it's over with. Do you have something? We don't change the message no matter who you are. And this came to mind. I, with uh, Alex and Andres, we have a seven-year-old and a, I think he's 14-year-old, that have retained and have learned more information than pastors who are teaching in churches who have went to college that they can't answer the questions that these young people can. And part of the reason is because we don't separate them out as, well, you got to go to children's church and you learn. So we get the little uh, cartoons up and we do these things and and we're going to make you, we're going to get you to understand it that way. No, we're going to get you to understand it by speaking the truth. And when this, the truth is spoken to you, then that's what you learn. They, people think that, with the uh, things of God that, well, they're kids. So you have to just kind of, you know, you have to see them where they are or 
meet them where they are, which to a degree, yes, but which means that, well, we understand that they're not going to fully grasp this because they're not in that place where they're capable because their comprehension's not there, but they're learning and understanding things more than adult pastors that are being taught by uh, colleges across the country that have no clue that would, as a matter of fact, argue that the spirit is not female because the Bible says it's he, it's he, it's he, it's he. Yeah, well, that's because you worship your Bible instead of worshiping God. That if you worship God, then mother says, let's go back to the Old Testament. Look here in Proverbs, and do you see where it talks about wisdom as being a she? And so there is a female aspect, and uh, the the uh, breath of God, the Ruach HaKodesh, which is a feminine in the Hebrew, and we either don't dig into it or we don't look at it because of one reason or the other. And I don't know why other people don't look into that, but that's up to them. I had this thought. And it's interesting because it's not just Christianity or faith perspectives that pull this uh, higher intelligence, I'm smarter than you perspective. Those that believe in that, that not believe in, but that teach the theory of Darwin, the evolution, okay, they make it difficult. Science, well, science is, is, is much more difficult, and you have to have these scientists to tell you what this is or what that is. And that's not true because science is nothing but knowledge. And you gain knowledge by just everyday life. And if you're faith in God, God will give you the understanding of the things that you need. God will give you the knowledge, the science. Science is nothing special. Uh, it's not set apart from other people. Everybody has science on some aspect, some thing in their life they have science on because science is knowledge. That's the the definition of science is knowledge. It's not this great big organization that decides that they decide what is scientific and what is not and what is right and what is wrong. No, science is knowledge. That's why conscience is con-science, which means with knowledge. So if you have good conscience, you have you, you have the good with knowledge, or you have a bad conscience, which is the bad with knowledge, but it's still with knowledge, whether it's good or bad. And there's a lot of bad conscience in the world that people are believing just because scientists have told them, and they make it more difficult. Why? So then you have to turn to me so I can tell you. Uh, so I can so I can explain it to you in the way that is right. Rather, and and that happens in uh, think about all the the expansive aspects that they try to make it so complicated, but yet 
Name me one scientist that had a Toyota Corolla and decided they wanted a Bugatti or a uh, Ferrari and they took and put dynamite in their car and blew it up in hopes that that Corolla was then going to change into a Bugatti. Oh, there it is. No. Why don't they do that? Because they know that nothing uh, nothing is created out of an explosion except destruction. And But we try to put it, make it complex. So you have to come to me. We wouldn't have, with people understanding that faith is simple, if people realized that they have the capability, most of the churches of what they call churches today in these big buildings and these large groups, most of those would disappear because why? Because we don't need that. We need God. We need faith in God. And we per- people perceive that just because you have large numbers that, well, we must be doing something right. Yeah. You must be coddling people and telling them, come on in and, and we'll make you feel good. And But in the end, they're going to end up burning. And without people realizing that, yes, on my own, I'm not capable. But with somebody else in the world, I'm not capable. I'm only capable with God. When it comes to understanding faith things, God is the one. And so I'm not leaning on man for the understanding. Will I listen to what somebody says and then weigh it against the Bible to determine whether it's right or not? Absolutely. But I'm not going to just, oh, well, you're educated and you're smart. No, we would have a whole lot more home churches that would be smaller groups living the true gospel, the true life, the, the, the church in Acts, the church that Messiah started, that's what we would be living, you know, because think about it. From today's standard, Messiah, he only had 12 followers. Now, there were other people that, that listened to him, but his base group was 12 people. And by today's standards, he wouldn't be considered a church because, well, you got small numbers and well, his objective goal was to take those small numbers and then let them branch out into groups of smaller numbers. And then each one of those branch out into groups of smaller numbers. And that's where you get the gospel to reach far and beyond where one individual can do it. And so, I mean, it's the, the aspect that people think that I'm not smart enough to be able to understand this stuff. And therefore, I need another human who's smarter than me to tell me these things. And so you go into this building and you sit there and you listen and you take it in and you assume that they know what they're talking about and you 
you end up agreeing with it only to find out either later on that something's not right or that you perish from this life and you find out that you were following something that was false because the objective is is that it is simplistic it is i barely graduated high school if i can understand the gospel message and i can understand what's in the old testament and i can understand uh the concepts behind it anybody can this is not something that you have to be highly educated in the world to be able to understand. Now, why do I understand what I understand? Because I'm highly educated from God, from not leaning on my own understanding, from letting God show me. And when God shows you, it's really simple. In the the actual act of it is not this big, climb a, uh, a cliff that's slanted the opposite way and you got to make it to the top and over. No, our problem is we think about faith and we think about, oh my gosh, this is just too much. We think about that cliff. and But then if you just, you know what? I'm just going to take one step at a time. <clears throat> Then you find out that that cliff, it's not really a cliff. It's a mountain, but it's not a really steep mountain at the beginning. It's a nice, oh, we start walking up. Well, yeah, the higher you go, the steeper it'll get. But you're building up endurance to be able to climb it. And so you listen to God. It's just like the the guys who climb Everest. They, they don't just go by themselves. They have the Sherpa guides. Well, those Sherpa guides, they know what they're doing. They've lived in that environment their whole life. They, they know the signs of different things and they're able to see it and, and take those people up Everest and get them. Now, not everybody makes it back, but a lot of people are able to get up and then come back. But without the Sherpa guides, it, they wouldn't be able to do it because those people know the land. Well, it's the same thing with God. God's the one that knows. The one you need to have the connection to is not your pastor at the church, not me, not Sean, not this podcast. This podcast is intended to get people to <clears throat> to go to God for their information. Then when you get the information from God, then relate it to what we're doing. And then you decide whether it's right or wrong, whether it's what you uh, want to do or not. The very same Bible that people will claim is the infallible word of God has what is necessary in there to find the fullness of faith in God. There's more that's there because the word of God is in the Bible, but the Bible is not all of the word of God. The word of God is living and active, that it's a tool. And we talked about this before in a podcast that the 
the Bible is for the unbelievers so that when you come to belief in God, that you still use the Bible, but you're not, there's not a dependency on the Bible. It's on Yah. And the very same people that will claim that they're a Bible believing church will not do what the Bible says. Paul, if I remember right, and I think it was in his letter to the Galatians, that we did not get this message from any man, nor was I taught by any man, but I got it from revelation from Yeshua Messiah. He was met on the road to Damascus, and Messiah met him. And from there, the story of where he went blind, and then if I remember right, was it Ananias, Ananias that laid hands on him, and then something like scales fell from his eyes, and then he got up and and Messiah told him what he was going to do, that he was going to suffer many things for his namesake and to go out and preach the message of the kingdom. And I was just thinking about this, that when somebody says, and you've heard this, well, how do we reach these people that are on a deserted island? Nobody's ever seen them. They're just by themselves. How can we take the, they don't have Bibles. They don't have all this stuff. And I just had this thought with that. You're depending on man because, well, how do we reach these people with Jesus and the Bible and how to, but think about this and those listening, you go by yourself at home one night and you just sit in your house in the quiet and you just listen to your thinking and you listen to the quietness. And if you sit there long enough, you'll even hear the vibration in your own ears and in your mind. You think about you're out on a remote island like that and you don't have the television, you don't have the cell phones, you don't have all the noise, and you've got the creation of God all around. You've got what Yah has put in front of you to show that they exist. And not only do you have that, you have the invisible qualities of God, which are which is morality, that you know right from wrong. And you sit there. And how do people that are in those, like the indigenous people, those that are out there, how do they come up with such and such as this eagle is the sun god, or this is, well, how do they know all that? How do they even put anything to a god or anything to worship? Because the same Bible that you claim would be the infallible word says that although they knew God, because through creation, people know God, that you know, in your lower conscience, you know, God exists and your conscious mind is the issue because you want to avoid punishment and people don't recognize that, but you don't want to be punished. You don't want to be put into hell. So therefore, in an order to escape punishment, you will come up with ways you will suppress the truth and say that God doesn't exist, that God isn't fair. God isn't just, and it's a lower conscience thing, it's not in the conscious mind of the person that they're doing it. But think about it. And this is, so far, this is my favorite, one of my favorite things that we've done is that, and we've said this, Phil, tell me about something that doesn't exist. It is impossible for us to talk about, for us to have any thoughts on something that doesn't exist. You know, when was the last time you talked about and somebody would say, what? Well, when was the last time you talked about? Well, you're being silly. No, I'm not. Because if somebody says, God doesn't exist, you just 
prove the existence of God in that statement because you cannot talk about something that doesn't exist. All you're doing is suppressing the truth. Stop suppressing the truth and let the truth be the truth. And really what you're, the truth is, is that we don't have the ability to stop the truth from moving. It's just that we attempt to suppress it, which if you think about in this time here, people will say this is the flu season or the cold season that you suppress a cough. Well, that means that you're doing whatever you can to make sure that that cough doesn't come up, that you don't cough. So I'm going to do everything necessary to avoid punishment. And in the book of Romans, the first two chapters, mother and Abba lay this out clearly. Yah lays it out. The invisible qualities of God have been made known so that mankind is without excuse that although they knew God, they didn't glorify them as God or give them praise, but they decided to do what they wanted to do. So God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what not ought to be done because you have free will. And, um, uh, just, it always fascinated me that, and I thought about it and just, it came to mind that if somebody doesn't find God, it's not God's fault. It's the person's fault. And people can look and think and lean on their own understanding and, and think of any excuse. Well, nobody told me about the Bible. No, to, Nobody told me about this. But when Messiah told the disciples to go and to preach the gospel to every creature, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a book of letters with them. They didn't necessarily have the scrolls of the Torah. I mean, they may have, a, just given an opinion, but they would not have a binded Bible like we have. But what they had was because of their upbringing and because they doing more of it than us actually listening and retaining information that they would be able to retain the information that Messiah was teaching them and they would be able to go and preach the gospel. That's what they were called to. It's up to each individual person and the way that y'all brought this out is that we need them. It's not the dependency on the Bible or other people because that'll get you every single time as opposed to it is difficult with all the messages that are out there and the upbringing of people and the programming and how you've been brought up to go to church and people see people going to church just on the major holidays like the Christmas and the Easter. It's going to take time to deprogram to figure out what is the truth because I have all these denominations and all these people telling me what the truth is. And even within those circles, people are giving different opinions. What is the truth? And that's the thing is that each person has to of their own volition, make a decision that I'm going to figure out what the truth is, no matter how it affects me. Seek him with all your heart and let God teach you because who better to teach you than the author, the, the one that knows the truth, not things that they know, but knows the truth. And it just really stood out to me when Paul actually said that I was not given this by man. So why do you think that you as mankind understand what it is when the one that you would claim, if somebody were to say, well, was Paul a believer in God? Oh, absolutely he was. All right, then why are you not preaching the message that Paul preached? Why are you not living the message that Paul, <coughs> that Paul preached? Why is what you're doing not lining up with the book of Acts? 
why is it not lining up with what Messiah said? And people would have to answer those questions, but the programming and the brainwashing and mind control is still, and always will be a huge issue because people are programmed that if you don't have a large gathering of people, then it's not effective or you're not having an effective message. And I can tell you with us, we have a smaller number of people, but the amount of knowledge and wisdom far outweighs the number of people. It's not, and even Yah is not so concerned about the number of people because we know from Messiah that the narrow way is the way and few, when he said few will find it, it's referring to back in Noah's time that Noah and his family, that very few found it. Think about possibly millions of people at that time with Noah and only eight found it. And that was in a time where they didn't have all the technological, well, they had information there, but they didn't have what we have here with the, the technology slowing us down and, and we don't retain the knowledge that we could retain. Think about if only eight people were saved out of that number. What about now? And that's the thing is it's the, the importance, the critical, and we said this before, there's a critical path. There's keys to the kingdom that must be followed in exact order in order for you to find the fullness of faith and not be found just like when the bridegroom of Messiah comes back and you don't have the key to the kingdom. You don't have really the keys, but the ultimate key, circumcision of the heart that will unlock the door into the kingdom. You don't have that and you're left out. And it's just, we had talked about this walking the other night that what is it about that you can have the keys to faith and you can put them in front of somebody, but somebody will just not, they don't want to pick them up and they don't want to use it because the programming is so set in and they're so dug in that you have to be willing to say, I'm willing to turn away from my programming to find this true faith because it's going to be the best thing for me, but it's going to take grit and determination. And you've got to have in your mind that it is a noble task and it is a quest that takes your life in that example with the Sherpas is a great example from Yah that the Sherpa are those people that are acclimated to the area. And I had a thought with that, that Messiah was the Sherpa that he, because the Sherpas, what they'll do is they will go and make set the ropes and they'll set, there's even a place where they have to cross some ice falls and things where they'll put ladders up and they'll go actually and set the path with the ropes and the um, clamps and things, because if you were just to go on your own, it, it would be too much with the weather. So they go and do that. And then, and it makes sense because with Messiah, he's the way that Messiah living his life, he paved the way so that just like the Sherpa, that they make a way to Everest, which is, you could look at that as the, the mountain of God, the Jerusalem in him, we just follow the same path that he did, that he laid the path, up to Everest. He gives us what we need. We have everything that we need, the full armor of God. We have all the protection. We have the oxygen being in mother that we have the ability to go through what's called the death zone that you get to a certain point where there's low oxygen levels and there's more uh, pressure. And with the protection of God, you're able to get to the summit which ultimately the summit, you could look at that as circumcision of the heart. Well, but you've still got to continue in faith. You don't just stay up there. Ultimately, getting into the kingdom would be on the top of Everest. 
But this is a just a very important thing that it takes time and it takes will and it takes setting your mind with absolution that no matter what happens, that you're not going to quit, you're not going to turn away, no matter how it affects you, you're willing to push through all the pain. But these are things that, just, that aren't told to people. You're not told this. And a lot of people get disappointed because they rely on what people tell them is true and the person doesn't necessarily know it's true, it's just opinion. And then they get frustrated because you promised me and I believed in you that I would get these things if I accepted Jesus, for example, as Lord and Savior, and I'm not getting this easy life that I was told to, so therefore you lied to me. And people build resentment. But, and I'll just go back, Phil, to what you said, that we are not here to be somebody's church. We're here to give information, to speak the truth boldly, and to lay the the food out on the table. And it's for the persons or persons that are listening in that really want this truth to eat it. But all we do is either water or plant. Yah gives the increase. Yah will give you the ability to understand what would seem like is difficult. And like you mentioned with mother being female, that people will look at that, well, that's a difficult concept. It isn't. But how much programming is there that the Bible says this, the Bible says that, and that's just strange or that just seems weird. That's the problem. And that's one point of repentance is to repent means that you turn to God with everything and that you're willing to, even if you don't understand something, that you're willing to seek it out and ask for the understanding and to get it. Because the word, if we were just to get everything on our own, then God wouldn't say, trust in us with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So with what we're saying, that faith is a quest, it is a noble task, it is difficult, but there is ease in it. Just like any task that you learn something newer and you apply it and you start mastering it, there is ease involved. Just like us, when we brush our teeth or we put our clothes on, it's not difficult. Well, if you have an injury or you're getting older, it could be somewhat difficult, but typically those things you have to overcome first for something to have ease. You've got to go through a struggle to overcome something for something to be of ease. So as you go through in faith, and even with circumcision of the heart, things do get easier, but we are not professing that this journey is easy. It isn't. There is no staples easy button that you press. But as you follow the path of God and with God's help, there is ease in it because God is the God of comfort, of all comfort. And comfort doesn't mean that God makes everything easy for you. It means that you have the comfort of knowing that you can absolutely trust God. And when you trust in them, they will trust in you and they've got your back, that there's a comfort that God is with me and that's a comfort. So yeah, just another Turn it back over to you, Phil. But yeah, just this, um, as Yah just gives each topic that this just builds beautifully off of the keys to the kingdom, because with the keys that you have in your hand, don't assume that everything is just hunky-dory and everything is just simple. And I've got the keys that, no, you've got the keys, but just realize that this is a task. You've got these keys now to where just know that there's going to be struggling and suffering, but not to deter you, but just to say, okay, counting the cost. This is what it takes. And I'm making the decision to put my hand to the plow and not look back.
This quest of faith is not an outward journey. It's an inward journey. It's important for people to know what's holding them back, what's stopping them from going on this quest. Because there's many times when people recognize their doubt, they recognize that something's not right. But then they just turn back to the worldly system of church instead of the godly system of church. But there's a reason, and this reason lies within the programming, and people don't realize this. This is not, we're not saying people are doing it intentionally. If we were talking about intention, that would be a different, a completely different thing anyway. But <clears throat> the, the problem is, is people don't recognize that the thing that will keep you <clears throat> from doing something in this life, especially faith, is insecurity. Insecurity is programmed into you in this world for the reason that in order for me to feel like I'm worth something, I have to have somebody depend on me. And in order for me to have somebody depend on me, I have to convince them that they don't know what I know. I have to convince them so that in their insecurity, they will depend on me rather than to depend on themselves, to depend on the truth and the things of God. Because insecurity and Everybody has it. Everybody on the face of the earth has it because that's the programming of the world is to get you to fear and to get you to fear why? Because, well, I don't know. And and if I don't know, then I have to look to somebody who knows. And, we, you know, we just had that whole thing with the COVID-19 and all this uh, false information and misinformation that was put out there and, you know, People are just believing it because, well, these people know, and this Dr. Fucci, he knows what he's talking about because he's been in it this long. And it's like, no, the, the, the world has trained you to be insecure because the people that can be uh, moved and operated as puppets are the ones who are insecure. Why? Because I have to turn to everybody else in order to know or to be able to understand Instead of realizing that, no, God gave you the ability to understand on your own. The only one you need is God and God alone. But the insecurity is so deep that we don't see it. And until you go on the quest inwardly within to yourself, will you be able to actually see your insecurities and where you have them and why do I have this insecurity when it has to do with a human person rather than an insecurity that I'm not going to be right with God that's going to put me in a place of torment if I don't figure it out and find that secure position with God. And when you find that secure position, that's where your insecurity goes away because you are secure. And people will hide insecurity by just keeping to themselves and uh, I'm just not going to talk to people and well, they'll leave me alone or 
they're more boisterous and they they go on the attack. Well, why are you attacking somebody if you're not insecure? You you attack people. These I like when you have battles, and I'll, I'll put the MMA thing up. Why do you have to prove that you're better than the guy across from you? Because you're insecure. And people would say, no, I'm not. I'm the best. And uh, if you're truly the best and you know that, what do you have to prove? You have nothing to prove because you are secure that I don't care what you say. You're not going to goad me into fighting you because I know I have the ability to destroy you, but I'm not going to. I'm not even going to entertain that. I'm not going to boast about it. I'm just going to know that I'm secure. I don't need to worry about it. When people get questioned about faith, they go to that insecurity. They they don't have deep faith conversations that get them to be challenged. Why? Because They've been trained to be insecure so that you'll listen to the pastor and do what he tells you to do. And, well, he knows what he's doing or she knows what she's doing. So uh, I'll just do. No, the problem is, is they don't. And you're putting your dependency on something that is fallible and just as insecure as you. Why does somebody have to lord something over somebody else? They're insecure. Why does the man feel like he's got to, uh, some men feel like they have to keep a woman in control or they have to make sure that, that she's not doing this or she's not doing that? Well, it boils down to their insecurity that she's going to leave them, that she's going to find something different or something better, and that insecurity. It's why men, men don't uh, share their heart with women. With with the with their, their wives, they don't share. Why? Because of the insecurity that they they're just going to get stomped on. If I share this, then you know this is me being vulnerable, and I'm going to be uh, stomped on by this female or my wife, and and that will happen and does happen, so that we can we try to gain some sort of control over somebody else by making them feel insecure. I don't want to do that. I don't want you to depend on me for faith. I want you to depend on God. I want you to be secure in what you believe, not insecure. And when you're secure, you're able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. I have a security and faith that if somebody wants to challenge what we do and what we're saying, I'm perfectly fine with that. It's it's perfectly okay. Come and challenge. Because my security is not found in man. My security is found in knowing the truth of God. And therefore, I, have, I am able to give a good answer, even if the good answer is, oh, I haven't thought about that or I haven't dug into that. Let me dig into it and let me figure, figure it out. And then we'll come back and we'll have a conversation about it. That's a good answer. But to just avoid when somebody puts pressure on you, then you're insecure. Why does a Methodist minister who went to school for this purpose, 
come into our gathering and then questions and things put to her that she can't answer that and and she gets upset that we're making her feel bad or we're making her feel like she's uh doesn't have faith or whatever it is and well the reality is is that we can't make you feel that way your insecurity of what you already know and you're supposed to be this educated person who knows who who should be able to give a good answer for the faith that they have since you're standing in front of people professing this but generally they don't get questioned like this they don't get questioned about do you sin well yeah everybody sins well wait a minute you're a minister and the bible says in him there is no sin then you start to get them to question then that starts to raise up their insecurities and when their insecurities uh, come up, then the human tendency, one or the other, fight or flight. You're either going to uh, get mad and fight against it and yell at people and tell them they're wrong, they don't know what they're doing, or you're going to flight and you're, well, I'm just, these people are crazy. I'm just getting away from this. And people, this is part of the brainwashing and mind control that happens in the world is that people everywhere are insecure and they're acting out of their insecurities. And the reason I can see it, I can see people all over that are working out of their insecurities. But I can see it because I've dug into myself to see my own insecurities. And sometimes you have to be vulnerable but in the midst of being vulnerable, you can't be soft. You can't be in a place of, well, I want to be vulnerable, but if somebody uh, if somebody doesn't agree or somebody tells me I'm wrong, then I'm just gonna go into this cave and I'm gonna or I'm gonna come out with my machine gun and shoot people. It's it's like your insecurity is your insecurity. You will display it in your life, but insecurity is driven by fear, and fear is what people and I uh, governments have used since the beginning of time to control people. And what's so interesting is when the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, because you should fear something in this world. But when you fear God, then there's no insecurity for you here. You don't care what man thinks, you care what God thinks. This is a deep, a deeply ingrained thing within people that they have no idea that is there They'll feel it, and if somebody listens to this and they evaluate within themselves, you know, well, why don't I have a conversation with my wife about this touchy situation? Well, let's talk about pornography or masturbation or whatever it is that, you know, well, I know it's not right, and I, I want her to know that, you know, this is going on, but I don't agree with it. And, well, most times men will avoid talking about that 
And inevitably, a lot of times, well, sometimes people get away with it and they don't, you know, they don't ever get caught. But other times you find yourself getting caught in it and then you have to explain it, which it's a whole lot easier for you to come clean than it is for you to get caught and have to come clean. Because then that makes you even feel even worse. And then that can push you to even to a denial of something that's factual, which is, again, the cognitive dissonance. But this is a huge perspective that keeps people from really entering this quest for the truth of God, this quest of seeking God with all of your heart, because that's what that intention when the Bible says, seek for me and you will find me when you seek for all of you with all of your heart is that that seeking with all of your heart is a quest. It's a long, arduous journey. It's not going to be over in a, in a day or in a night or in a week or in a year. It's a long extended marathon. And you've seen some of the people that at the end of a marathon, you see them and they, they can't stand up and they're, they fall down and they're trying to get back up. And they it's just, they they really want to cross that finish line, but they, their body is just completely giving out. Well, that's faith uh, until you cross that finish line, because God wants to see how determined are you to cross that finish line? Are you going to, are you going to slither on your belly inch by inch to get across that finish line. And then when they see that, then there's a good chance that they're going to send somebody along to help you to your feet and put your arm over their shoulder and they help to carry you across that finish line. But you have to do your part first. And the key in what I'm bringing out is just how important it is to look into your own insecurities. It's why people lie. They lie because they're insecure. It's why people micromanage. They micromanage because they're insecure. You know, well, I've got to feel like I'm in control, so I've got to tell you everything that you have to do. It's why a lot of times in manager management positions, they don't teach the people under them how to do their job because, well, if I teach you how to do my job, then you can do my job and they'll get rid of me. And that's insecurity. And there's many things in the world, just the world itself, that people are walking around with insecurity, trying to wear a mask of security. You know, it it would be like somebody being in prison, having a picture of what it looks like outside of the prison and they hold it in front of their face everywhere they go. I'm free. I'm free. I'm, I'm man that that, can't you see this is, this is cool. I'm free because they're staring at that picture and they're not realizing the reality of the prison that they're in. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people with that with faith. Accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm staring it down. And man, this is good. But they don't realize they're still in the prison of sin. And that prison of sin is only going to lead you to the execution in the abyss. And it's all because of insecurity. 
And even as I speak about this today, I know that there's still some insecurity in my subconscious, and I'm going to continue to dig and uh, look for it and try to figure it out. What When you hesitate on something, the greatest uh, aspect that it probably is is insecurity. Why do people get locked in jobs that they will out of their mouth despise? They, I, they hate their job. I don't like doing it. But they continue to do it in security. Why? Because, well, I don't know how to do anything else. Well, learn how to do something else. And I've had this in the past. I did construction pretty much my whole life. And that's what I was comfortable with. And then it came to a time where I closed down the business and then uh, I didn't work for a while. But then eventually an offer came from a hotel to do hotel maintenance. And you would think I did, you know, 30 years of construction. How bad could maintenance be? But I was insecure about that, about making that decision. But I did. And then I got into it and figured out that, well, it's not that bad. Well, and then just uh, not too long ago, not knowing what it was going to be entailed in the job that I have now with the uh, oil company that I'm doing maintenance for them on all the gas stations that they have and stuff I've never even met uh, messed with before in my life I'm doing and I'm working, but I wasn't as intimidated to go there because I had worked on the insecurity thing. There was still some subconscious, some conscious insecurity. I, uh, well, and I hope I'm going to be all right in this. And, you know, am I going to be able to figure it out? But I was like, no, you know what? I'm not going to let this hold me back because this is a good, a good uh, chance. And it's a good place to advance and move. And so we have to overcome the insecurity that is programmed into us. And in order to do that, we have to change. People don't change professions because of insecurity. When you despise your job, but you still stay there, you're there because of insecurity. You you may despise a relationship, but you stay there because you're insecure of being alone. You may see something in somebody in a relationship that you should get away from, but your fear of being alone or whatever that fear is will keep you from departing from that person, and then you end up getting married to them, and now you're stuck because... You stepped into it all because of insecurities. You know, what's life going to be like if this person's not here? And and this is not conscious stuff that goes on. People in the world don't consciously understand how insecure they are. And it took faith for me to realize how insecure I was, how much uh, worry and concern and how much thinking overnight about what what's going to happen at the job tomorrow and what I have to do and 
and then you micromanage people and you micromanage people so that they won't take your job. And it's just, there's so much importance to people understanding this aspect because it keeps you from following the true faith of God because you'll go to, well, what if it is wrong? What if, okay, well, if it is, you can always go back to which you came from. But if it's right and you never step out of that comfort zone, you never step out of that insecurity, then you'll never know. You'll you'll never recognize that, wow, this job could be better. I'm one right now that I have changed my mindset and changed my life, and I really like my job. I don't, I don't, it doesn't bother me go to work on Monday. Mondays are no different to me than any other day of the week. I work Monday to the Friday. I get off. I have the weekend. I enjoy my job. I don't, I don't fret at it. I don't stress at it. I don't think before I'm going in, oh my gosh, I don't want to be here. No, I'm there because I want to be there and I like it. And I would recommend that to anybody. But in order for a lot of people to do that, They have to step out of their comfort zone. Now, I would say if you're in faith, make sure that you uh, have a conference with God and you let God make it clear to you what you need to do because there may be lessons that you need to learn where you're at before you can advance and move to that place where you have that um, comfort. And so... It's really huge because insecurity will stop you from going on a quest. Insecurity will stop you from telling somebody what the truth is because you're worried about how they're going to react, if they might leave you, if they might. And this is why Messiah said, uh, you must be willing to leave father and mother, husband or wife, son or daughter. If you're not willing to do that, you're not fit for the kingdom. Why? Because it's not, I'm willing to, but it's not what I want. I don't want, I didn't want my wife to leave, but when there was a threat of divorce, it's your choice. I won't ever sign the papers, but if you want to go that avenue, you can go ahead. But I'm not, I'm not turning back from my faith just because you threatened divorce or you threatened something because in the end, God means more to me than anything. My kids, my wife, my friends, anything. Now, after God, then come my wife, my kids, and then anybody else after that. But insecurity does and will keep you in a prison. And too many people paint a picture so they can stare at that picture and convince themselves that that's what the outside world looks like. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. But there's going to be a day when that picture's going to fall, that picture's going to fade, that picture's going to be burned up, and you're going to have a realization that you're in that prison. The objective is, Throw the picture away now. Recognize the prison that you're in 
and then figure out how you're going to get away from it, how you're going to move in advance. Just like we talked about the other night on the walk, how uh, you had mentioned that you were in a prison of thinking that, well, nobody wants to hear you anyway, so you don't talk much. And Josh, on the other hand, that, well, I need to be heard, so I'm going to talk a lot. Well, you're staring at a picture. Throw the picture away. Get get rid of the picture. See the reality. Okay, I recognize that. I, I, I don't think that other people want to hear me because why? Is that insecurity? Right. And, and again, I, I'm not putting you down because... I've, I've been through it. I've had my own. I still have areas of working on. But whenever we dig in and we recognize that we're avoiding something, we need to throw the picture away, figure out why am I avoiding this, and I'm going to get out of this prison. See, people stay in prison because they can't see the door to get out. You're walking around with this picture of what it looks like on the outside and you're staring at it. And if you would just drop the picture, you would realize that there's an open gate that you're free to walk out of. But you have to get to that gate. You have to walk out of that gate and don't go back in. And insecurity, again, when we talk about uh, programming in the world and cognitive dissonance, uh, insecurity is one of the biggest controllers of people that why do other people raise their voice when they get mad and they keep elevating their voice because I'm trying to get you to fear. So you are insecure and in your insecurity, you will back down. And again, that all happens in the subconscious. It's not a a conscious thing that people are thinking about. And this is why it's so important to recognize the programming that we have and make a decision that I'm not going to be insecure and I'm going to have conversations of important things that put me in a vulnerable spot with my wife or my girlfriend or my uh, parents or my uh, coworkers or whatever it is. I'm going to not be insecure and put on a mask because that's what we do. We that picture is a mask that we put on to try to get you to think that I'm not I'm secure, that you're the one that's not secure. And again, this is something that is rampant in the world, not with intention by the by any individual, but it's the way you're trained. And when you're trained that way for you to be insecure, well, for you to find some semblance of security. You have to force somebody else to be insecure. And then when you when you can get somebody else to be insecure, then that makes you feel just a teeny little bit of security rather than, no, you know what? I'm not going to try to make people insecure. And I'm not going to, I'm going to recognize when somebody's talking to me and they're being vulnerable, that I'm not going to trample on that vulnerability. There may be things that I think I want to say, but I'm not going to trample on that vulnerability. I'm just going to just listen. 
I'm going to hear it. And then I'm going to go out my go about my business because more than likely, if I want to say something, it's just going to breed insecurity for them and trying to get security for me rather than come to a point where, no, this is the absolute truth and you really do need to hear this, but it's up to you to decide whether you're going to get rid of insecurity in your life. And if people are honest with themselves, they'll listen to this podcast and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, because, you, you know, you, you don't talk about uh, certain things uh, because of insecurity. And sometimes you'll talk about things that you don't know about because you're trying to act like you're secure. And the best thing to do is to find that faith in God, have that strength of security in the strong tower of God, then you need not defend yourself. You can be vulnerable and it doesn't matter. And I'm not saying this as though I've completely gotten rid of all insecurity that I've ever had. No, I'm digging into my subconscious to find it so that I can get rid of that more and more. And I'm a whole lot farther along and better off now than I was in the past. Uh, but in the circular perspective that we talk about, I will continue to work and move more and more in security. And that's why 10 years ago, I would have been intimidated to speak to a Christian pastor about what we're doing and why we're doing it and the truth of it as to today I have no problem at all if a Christian pastor wants to talk about it and they want to uh, discuss things, then I'm more than happy to do it because I'm not depending on myself anymore. I'm depending on mother that just like the disciples were told that when you go out, don't worry about what to say at the appropriate time. You know, when you're arrested or you're, you're put in these positions where people are uh, questioning you. Don't worry about what to say. You'll be given what to say, just like Messiah wasn't walking around thinking, oh, my gosh, when's the next time they're going to come and try to uh, uh, test me and they're going to try to trick me into something, and when's that coming? And No, he didn't think about that because he was secure. And when it came up, he crossed that bridge. He didn't try crossing that bridge before it came. And because of insecurity, we try to cross bridges so we have this confidence going into something. We'll, we'll overthink something. And the reality is, is most times that thing that you overthought doesn't even happen anyway. And you've wasted time on something that ha has no meaning or cause in the midst of it. And so this quest that I'm talking about is an internal quest. Now, it is external when you, towards God, but that drives you to internal where your, your quest is digging into yourself to figure out how to fix yourself and straighten yourself out. That way you'll stop pointing other people's things out because why would you point somebody else's faults out? I uh, Insecurity. Because, well, I've got to make, well, I'm not as bad as that person. No, you're just as bad or worse. You just don't see it. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean that you're not there. And so 
uh, I just, uh, mother was really impressing on me to bring out that aspect of insecurity because it's rampant. And if people are honest with themselves, they will have to sit back and do nothing but agree with this if they do if they do a deep evaluation somebody may off the bat no i'm secure i'm secure which in itself tells you that you're insecure where if you're like if you're truly secure wow that's an interesting concept that i'll look into that a little bit instead of no i know what i'm talking about insecurity well you have to I don't have to nothing, insecurity. And if you evaluate, and I'm sure you could do it, when you start getting frustrated with customers that you're talking to on the phone because you do more talking to customers, can you evaluate and figure out in the midst of doing it, am I feeling like this because it's just or am I feeling like this because I'm insecure? And part of it is, is your job doesn't allow you to be secure because you may have one claim that you can handle this way and another claim that's almost exactly like it. But no, we want to handle it this way because there's a chance that we don't have to pay as much money. And if we don't have to pay as much money. So you're, you're on a sliding scale that doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't allow security uh, from a common sense perspective but you can find security in it by oh just going to handle this the way that the company wants me to handle it and if the customer doesn't like it that then they can talk to the uh, insurance company or whatever it is but i when things come up like i had a situation where i was trying to get a part off of one of the pumps and I started to get frustrated. Well, why the frustration? Because, well, I'm insecure. Well, if I don't, if I can't get this off, I can't figure out how to get this off, then they're not going to, they're going to find somebody else for my job. And they're not. But that's the things we subconsciously tell ourselves and don't consciously recognize that we're putting more weight on ourselves than is necessary. And insecurity is rampant in the world and there's nobody in the world that does not have insecurity. And the more they try to convince you that they are secure, the more insecure they are, but the more they just try to avoid letting you know that they're insecure, they're more insecure. And so there's two extremes Recognize this and on this quest, go on a journey to figure out how you can be in a place of not being insecure to where you'll be able to have better and uh, more intense conversations with your wife or your kids. And you won't avoid saying something because, well, she's not going to want to hear that or, I'm not doing it mean, but I'm going to not be getting my dependency or putting my dependency on man. I'm going to put my dependency on God and God alone. Well, with what we just talked about with the previous podcast, this is another key to the kingdom. 
is that understanding that there's insecurity <clears throat> because the kingdom of God, you can't get any more secure than, than them. You ever, and I'm sure I know the answer to this question that you'll answer yes, but if you ever, you ever think that Yah's just talking to you alone, even though somebody like when you were just talking, it was just like Yah's just speaking directly to me and there's nobody else around. Well, that's the way we should look at it that, well, no, I'm, yeah, I'm insecure, but you know, Yah's talking to somebody else. Cause I was getting a lot just sitting here and just realizing things that I wasn't seeing when the word says that Yah is the God of all comfort. This is what they're talking about. It's security that, are you comfortable sitting in your chair? You are? I am. Well, is it, why are you comfortable? Because it's secure. It's not moving. It's not, you don't, your back is, because if you're not secure, then you'll get up and move around because my back is, and not that the chair isn't secure, but you don't feel secure because I'm a me. You ever been on one of those uh, rickety wooden chairs where the, the spindles are falling out of the, the sides and the legs are kind of splitting? <laughs> Just that came to mind. Well, and it's it's a we don't look at it consciously because you you get a lazy boy chair and you're like, oh, this is so comfortable. Is it really? What's the comfort that? Oh, it's holding me and I'm not falling down and it, it's supporting me. Well, that's the thing that comfort when it says Yah is the God of all comfort, it doesn't mean that God is just going to make things easy for you. It means just like if if you're standing against me and I say Phil, just lean back and I got you. It's, it's that you have that security. It's that there is no more secure place than being with Yah. So therefore, they're the God of all security. So trust in God that, that that's where your security lies, that, yeah, you may die and be killed for the faith, but it doesn't matter because the comfort is, I'm in God's hands. It doesn't matter what happens. That That's the the main goal. So it's not that God is a teddy bear in there. They're the God of all comfort. You see, be comforted. They they Those who mourn, they'll be comforted. Well, what is Messiah saying that if you mourn because of your condition before God, your spiritual condition is corrupt and you have godly sorrow and you're turning to God, God, help me with this. I, you'll be comforted that that won't be oh, it'll be okay. You, no more struggle for you. It'll be, you'll be given comfort. You'll be given strength because God says that my eyes go back and forth over the entire earth to strengthen the heart that's fully committed. So you're mourning because of your spiritual condition and you you've set your mind you're going to change that i'll give you strength i'll give you comfort it doesn't but what people will do is they'll say well you see somebody dies and there's the scripture that yeah you'll, you'll be comforted you see no it's talking about a spiritual aspect that with god that when you're seeking with all your heart and you're on that faith journey you'll get comfort from god because you realize who you are and i'm going to change something and and I'm mourning over because of indignation, longing and alarm for what I've done against God. And I'm mourning for that, that I've done these things against God. Yeah. God will give you comfort in that. But I had with what we talked about on the walk with this, I just had something come to mind with my job and you had mentioned part of it with that. You don't have the security, but the, the thing is, cause remember I mentioned that I didn't think that, you know, nobody wants to hear me. Well, one big thing that I'll do is I'll micromanage to get everything done, like get it all, all the screens cleared and everything done before as quick as I can. And I was just sitting there and it was just like, y'all yeah, just dumped a bucket of water on me. And it's like, do you see it's insecurity? Because if you get it all done, then you don't have to, anybody needs to 
speak to you about, Hey, why didn't you get this claim done or what? Like you don't even realize by doing that, that then, all right, nobody will bother me. No, Cause I haven't told my manager that while I like working alone and nobody kind of bothers me and I'm, but why is that? Well, because if nobody bothers me, then I don't need to, well, nobody cares. So I'll just leave me alone. So nobody bothers me. And I was like, wow, I'm actually adding a burden to myself because I really don't want to not speak with people. But it's just one of those where, because I, I'll do things and then I'll catch myself. Well, nobody wants to hear from me. I was like, no, I am, I'm going to put this out there and just not. And that's why I mentioned that. Have you ever thought that Yash is speaking right to you? Because I'm like, this is a help because I wasn't even recognizing that I was doing this. Well, now I can make a change now and start working on it where before you just do it and want to understand why this is. And it's like, wow, insecurity, because if I don't get the work done, somebody will say something, you lose the job. Then what happened? And you just keep, but I'm not consciously thinking about that. It's just, I got to get this done because this will happen if this doesn't or whatever. And it's just, wow, that's a, a burden to carry. That's a lot of weight that I don't need to carry. There's no reason for it or trying to convince somebody else of something. Well, if they don't get it, then it, then what? I don't answer for that person. Then why carry the weight of, and we even had a lesson on this. A lot of us carry a big backpack on our back with a lot of weight that we could just lay the backpack down. While insecurity is why you carry all that weight. Well, I don't want people to look down on. Yeah, but is is Yah coming to you with this? Or is it your own thinking? Because that's what we talked about that the other night. Is Yah making it clear to do something? Or are you doing it? Or are you listening to somebody else? Are you listening to the enemy or something like that? But no. So if we're really being honest and listening, we should look at it as Yah speaking directly to us and everything that we talk about, not just, well... Because if you really dig deep and you're honest that anything that's brought up, you could bring it back to yourself in some way, unless you're perfected. But I find sometimes what will happen is as well, I'm not really seeing that as I'm doing that or, well, that's somebody else. But no, if you're listening to this, that be looking for where y'all can be speaking to you as well. Because if anybody's honest, you're not going to sit here and say that you don't have insecurity. Now, you might not have conscious insecurity. But lower conscience, you know it is because because I had a – how well-timed is this? Because yesterday had a day of frustration, and as I'm thinking about it, why the frustration? Because of insecurity. Because why get elevated with somebody? Insecurity. Why lash back quickly? Insecurity. Because if you know something is true, why do I need to lash out or get a, a rise? No, I don't need to. That's why I'd be quick to listen, slow to speak. Because if I'm quick to listen, oh, wait a minute. There's an insecurity here. What is it? Why am I? Oh, because I'm thinking I'm not going to know the answer to what they're going to bring to. Okay, well, but I'm not going to be concerned about that. So just a a good lesson on this. This is really good from y'all. Well, when we talk about this from a faith perspective, it's one of the biggest reasons why people don't want to be challenged in their faith. You know, the Bible says, always be prepared to give a good answer for the faith that you have. But then when you start to question, like we questioned that Methodist minister, that she started to get that insecurity, which then started that rise, which then started, well, you're trying to get me or or you're getting me to feel this way. And we can't 
get anybody to feel a certain way. Whatever you feel is your feelings. I can't control your feelings, but your feelings are driven by what your programming is in the world. That's what the reality of it is. And so the problem, like I had that guy, uh, that was a year or two ago where uh, I asked him if I could challenge his faith and he could challenge mine. And well, no, no, I only have that for my, for the inner circle of people close to me. And I'm like, you, you see me in the store, you call me brother, but yet you won't. But I know that that comes from insecurity because you know, you can't give a good answer for the faith that you have. And a good answer is not over being overbearing and raising your voice to try to convince somebody that you're not uh, insecure. But to be able to give a good answer, you have to be secure knowing your faith. And many people, many, many people in this world who claim faith will not allow you to challenge them. They will walk away. They will ignore you. They will go about their business because they are insecure. And I promise you that the faith in God, the true faith in God is about being secure in your faith. But in order for you to do that, you have to recognize your own insecurities and you have to face your own insecurities and make the corrections of your insecurities in yourself. Don't worry about everybody else. You make the uh, corrections within yourself, then that will give you the ability to be an example for somebody else where they'll look at you and say, wow, how do you have the confidence that you have? Well, I have the confidence that I have because I know what I'm talking about and I know it because it's God's word. It's not me. It's what God has taught and I don't question it. And this faith is supposed to be secure, the anchor for your soul. And if there's doubt, doubt will prove your insecurity, but yet when you doubt, you'll brush that doubt aside instead of saying, wow, this is insecure and this is the way it is. And it's like you truly, truly have to dig into your subconscious and see and to know exactly what it is that is holding you back. And it's the lack of knowing and understanding. Well, the word of God says he, Yah told several people even told to me, be strong and very courageous because the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Well, that's, that's a way to have a mindset of security that if Yah's with you, wherever you go, what in the world is there to be insecure about? And we know that's from a, a big picture mindset that really, cause the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. You don't need to be insecure about if somebody's going to persecute you, say something about you, because if God is with us, who can be against us? Now they can come against, but they're fighting against God. And 
the last time I checked, whenever Yah told a group of his people to go out and fight a battle, that Yah can throw people into confusion. Yah can have a small amount of people. I believe it was Gideon that such a small amount and all these people that he's fighting against. And you got God going out in front of you. It doesn't matter if there, there could be me and you against the whole world. It doesn't matter how many people that Yah has the power to shut the mouth of lions, save people from death, resurrection from the dead. So all things are possible with God. Well, and this is why we call on the name of the Lord. That that's why our dependency is on God. And that's when the Bible says, call on the name of the Lord. It doesn't mean, Oh God, I need you. No, it means you call the call in Hebrew means a dependency that you depend on God. And when we depend on God, we're depending on God as the terrorist as he is, that he's going to protect us now because we're in his favor and we're on his side. And so it's hugely important that people evaluate their own insecurity and don't try to fix other people. Don't try to fix the world. You fix yourself. You humble yourself and you pray and you turn from your wicked ways and then God will heal your land. God will heal your land. It doesn't say you will heal your land. So don't try to change the people in the world. Don't try to change the people around you. You change yourself and live a life for God and those that want to be affected by it, you will be an example of how to change. And so, uh, Sean, uh, as we, we said before, there's these subjects, we could be like Paul and speak throughout the day and into the next day. And so at this point, uh, we're going to draw this to a conclusion for this morning and, uh, I just want to encourage anybody that uh, just seek God with all of your heart. Make sure that your life is lined up with the reality of truth of God. And within that, you will have security. But if you think you're secure and you don't have faith in God, you're not secure. And there is a pretense and a perception of Christianity that says that, well, you have this faith. Now, that's why we don't go with Christianity, because we go with the way of Messiah. We don't ignore the Son of God, but Christianity ignores the truth that he wouldn't agree with you sinning, and you must get away from sin. And people are insecure. Well, I know I sin, and I'm, but I have to convince myself that, and that insecurity just keeps you in that locked-in place instead of no. Messiah said to go and sin no more, and the Bible says in him there is no sin. Then I'm going to get rid of this insecurity, and I'm going to figure it out. And that's the only way you're going to figure it out is that if you make that decision to figure it out. So with that being said, I. Uh, Sean, do you have any words as we part for this morning? I would just leave it with this. Whenever you're listening to this podcast or you're listening to the word of God being preached, that look at it as, yes, the whoever is speaking the truth is speaking to everyone, but look at it as though God is speaking to you and really point the finger back at yourself and work on bringing it back and working on yourself before you would bring it to somebody else. So. No, another good topic from Yah, and we'll continue from here, Lord willing, whatever they want. 
right? And we'll just put this out there. We haven't said this in a while that uh, we do have a Facebook page that if somebody wants to contact us, they can contact us through uh, Facebook, Hidden Treasures Revealed. And then um, we have a email at uh, Hidden Treasures Revealed at AOL.com uh, for any questions, comments, or conversations that someone might like to have. Uh, we'll put that out there. So for Sean and myself, uh, those that listen in and will be listening in in the f- future, really dig into your uh, insecurities within your subconscious and really figure out how you can get to a place in faith in God where you are secure, you're able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. And when you do that, you will find that contentment of God, that comfort of God, and the peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it. We had Yeshua join the broadcast. No. <laughs> I would, as always, I need to cut it off.